Part two of the Jugo book series has just launched and you're invited to celebrate. This Sunday, the 10th of December, we'll be enjoying a series of activities for the book launch of Jugo Shadow of Nero in Sydney at Jungle Botany. You're all invited. There'll be a jumping castle, face painters, free coffee for mum and dad, and so much more. Even a reading by the author JT. 10am till 12.30pm. We'll see you there. Hey, it's JT, and I'm excited to introduce you to my new book, Jugo. This is a fun and quirky book, and it's a perfect Christmas gift to get that kid over the line to do jiu-jitsu. Or, let's say you know a young kid who doesn't really like to read. It's a cool story that allows them to get into the world of Jugo and also enjoy their reading. But if you're a big kid like me and you just want a fun story, it's perfect for that too. Now, I'll be putting the link in the show notes today, but go to jugoplay.com and you can get yourself a copy just in time for Christmas. Thanks, guys, and on with the episode. Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. Q&A for BJJ. You want to know what's up? We know what time it is. We'll let you know. Now, if you have a question and you would like to get it featured on the show, go to bulletproofforbjj.com forward slash podcast. You scroll down, there'll be a little red button. You can leave us a voicemail. We will answer your question and feature it on the show. Mr. Joe. First one coming in from Bodie. Hey, boys. Bodie here. i got a question for you. Is, uh, I work away uh, and I know a lot of people in Australia do doing FIFO and that. I work uh, three weeks on, three weeks off. Yes. I know when I get back from work, those first couple sessions back at JITS can be an absolute beatdown. So I just want to know your thoughts on how you guys would optimize your time away from the JITS gym at work. Uh, Like how, how would you use that time? I know that we've heard you guys talk about spending time away from the gym usually it's you know injury or illness or whatever but if, if you were fully healthy how would you guys use that three weeks uh, away to come back into the gym uh fight and fit and ready to go when you get back from work cheers fellas love your work all right Bodie. thank you cheers Bodie. awesome i mean me personally Bodie, you're working right so you you're you're away for those three weeks. You're pretty busy, but Bodhi, for maybe some people who don't know what FIFO is, flying flat. People, Bodhi's working in a mine. Yep. So he goes, lives in a place three weeks, works full time, and then comes back. Probably has three weeks off. Or yeah, for some, for some or people, it's kind of two to one. They might be away three weeks, come back for a week. You right. know, yeah, different ratios of, of but that. It lends itself to inconsistent like disruption. Yeah, and then that gets you out of whack with your with your jits. I, I'm going to say just stay as fit and healthy as you can while you're working, which can be a challenge. That can be tough, and I would say making sure that you don't get too. Um, immobile like if you're working on a digger or you're doing whatever like sitting down a lot prioritizing mobility is key and then the other thing i'd say there is having either a workout you always do or having access to you know like a chin-up bar or something like that 
to do like a mini workout. I mean, Joe, you touched on this relevant to holidays. So if, uh, where you like, oh, you just need something simple to get the blood pumping while you're away. I've spoken to a few friends who do um, that kind of work and they usually have a pretty good gym facility there. Right. Bodie may not have access to that, but assuming you did, yeah, keep up your training in full, like strength work, mobility work. Like, you know, because if you're just like on like working and then you basically go back to living quarters and then yep. back to it, like you've usually got more time to train in a setting like that than you would. You don't have distractions. Yeah, right. Um, could be wrong about that. You might be working really crazy long shifts. I don't know. But yeah, I'd be like, do all the shit, like do all your training, strength, mobility, but then also like, like say you want to get back, you want to have jits when you come back and that's going to be, maybe you add a couple of conditioning sessions which are rep, like in place of your jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So you're getting a bit of that high intensity like kind Keep of the work. the going, yeah. Yeah, so that when you get back to jits, it's not, it's not like you've just been stretching and lifting slowly. Yep. You've actually got a bit of like gas tank that's, you're prepared for that rush of fucking stress hormones. Yeah, definitely. And I think you've also just got to make the concession. It's going to take, it's going to take a week to kind of, Resync, yeah and this is the kind of juggle that you face another measure actually and this may not be like this might be too boring for you Bodhi, but if you're coming back in the one thing you don't want is to get drawn into really intense roles in that first week no so i would be very selective about who i'm training with and maybe even being like say being intentionally low intensity with your roles that week so going like i'm just going to work defenses this week i'm mm -hmm. not going to be trying to sub people and I'm just going to be working defenses because when you work in defenses, you're usually learning to stay calm yeah, and you're more methodical and that kind of thing. And then week two, you've kind of broken the ice in that first week, let it rip and fucking smash everyone. Yes, sir. And also keep your mind in the game. I, I would be watching matches and just, just geeking out on whatever you can, whether you like instructionals or you just watch the super fight that just happened, keep your brain in the game. And why not start a little grappling club? Oh, out how of the good mines? would that be? Yeah, like start. You know, there's probably some other grapplers there. Yeah, get some mat. Like, just do the thing, or yeah. maybe you want to teach a couple people. Just sure. Fucking so you can ragdoll them. Yeah, fight club. I mean, how easy is it to heel hook someone in steel caps, right? Maybe. Boom. All right, next one coming in from Jed. How's it, JT and Jay? Uh, it's Jed here. Yeah, so to get into my story, uh, two days ago I was wrestling a guy, absolute tank of a human, about double my height and weight. Um, he was a beginner, and uh, when I got double underhooks on him, we kind of ran it, charged me, and we landed in a bit of an awkward position um, with my leg sort of trapped, and it, it's kind of like knee barred. So I heard a couple of loud crunches and pops and just came back from the hospital now. It seems like I've torn my MCL with damage to my meniscus and my LCL. Um, so I'm going to be needing surgery in the next two or three weeks. But yeah, I just wanted to reach out and my, I guess my question is uh, about rehab and um, how we can go about that, making it as smooth as possible. Um, I know you guys have had your fair share of injuries. Yeah, also just building confidence once I am back on the mat because uh, I know that that's going to be quite a challenge being off for so long. But yeah, appreciate you guys so much. Uh, massive fan of the show and your programs. Been using it for a while. My guy. Yeah, thanks, man. Sorry to hear that. It is a shock when it happens and then you're like, okay, well, fuck, how do I get past this? And it sounds like it sounds like we have a South African accent in there. Could be. Could be. Um, shout out, if you've got access to surgeons and generally if you do and you go see the surgeon and they have a plan for you, rehab is usually a part of that. They will usually pair you up with some kind of therapist to get you back to walking and capable. 
but they don't actually care about your jujitsu, right? They're like, oh, you can walk, you can move, good enough, move on. What will be really important for you is to make sure that you've reestablished your range of motion. Like I can bend my knee almost fully, uh, fully lock out my knee. Like that will be quite an important thing before you go back to jujitsu. But then also trying to establish some kind of activity habit because it can be very negative for your uh, mental health when you've had a, a serious knock and your knee hurts and you're like, fuck, how can I get back? Part of the health and the confidence thing is slowly building your capacity, whether that's like a stationary bike or walking up and down stairs or whatever it is, it's good for you to have a measure and for you to have that idea of progress because it, just relying on um, a physio or someone who doesn't know you doesn't get what you're trying to do and you're trying to get back to jujitsu. So you're trying to build a capacity which is well beyond just walking. So what I'd say is if you can establish something which can give you a sense of progress in these trying times, that will be key. Mr. Knee Surgery Joe, talk to me. Yeah, yeah, bro, spewing, that's shit news, such is the game. Try and find a physio or an exercise physiologist that works with athletes and is good with knee rehab specifically. I think if you can find that, and you may not have the benefit, but even if it's someone like, even if you, there isn't someone like that in your city, but you had to consult with someone online from another part of the world, it would be so worthwhile because they will guide you through the rehab process in the most optimized way, yeah. right? Whereas like JT was saying, your, your surgeon will just do the bare minimum. And then if you just get some run-of-the-mill physio that doesn't understand jujitsu, doesn't really care that much. Or performance athletes in general. Right, like they might be a little bit better than what the surgeon was going to kind of advise on, but not much. So if you can really find that person, it's like, bro, these are the capacities you need to rebuild. This is how we're going to do it. And then the second thing I would suggest is like, there's no rush for you to get back to JITS. You might really want to rush back to it, but here's the deal. You're going to have that knee for the rest of your life. So the better job of rehab you can do now, the better off the rest of your life with that knee is going to be. So like, let it take whatever it takes. And that person, that physio or EP will tell you, hey, you can go back to JITS now. Maybe just start with some drilling, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to lay out a timeline for you. So you just follow their advice. And then, yeah, come back to us. Once you've had the surgery and you've done that, uh, because there is definite things you can do once you've kind of reached the potential of your rehab, which will give you the confidence to get back on the mat and we can help you with that. Last question for the day, Chris. Hey guys, Chris here. Um, so far, I'm loving all of the content. So my question today is about the mindset you have while rolling. So I'm wondering specifically about intensity and kind of what should we be focusing on. Um, right now, I seem to have more of a passive style and I don't know if it's a bad thing. So I'm six months in, six months in, and I haven't actually submitted anyone yet. What ends up happening usually is I kind of sit there waiting for a chance to sweep or fight for position, um, especially against like the younger, more athletic guys who kind of just steamroll me from the start, it feels like, um, and then kind of work to a better place from there. And sometimes it works, um, especially against the guys that are more around my level. But I'm wondering if it's normal to feel this way at this point, or maybe I should kind of change my mindset um also don't know if it's just because i'm just uh, older than them a little heavier uh, slower and maybe this is just the way i can do it but i'm just excited to hear your thoughts uh thank you guys All thanks right. chris yeah chris well look man i'll be honest like it doesn't matter what you think might be your advantages or disadvantages working with what you've got is key and, and like being 
a bit bigger or a bit slower is not a disadvantage. Uh, it's just making sure that you can make that work for you. In terms of like mindset, one of the things that really kind of switched up for me at Bluebelt was I was kind of counterfighting. I was letting people do stuff and then countering what they were doing. But if the person you're doing that to is better than you, you're never going to get back in the game. You, and it was really pointed out to me uh, by a guy called Eduardo Santoro. Edu, he's one of the founders of Sia Palista. Lives in California now. Amazing competitor in his lifetime. How tall is he? Uh, six two, six three, slim, but very strong, very strong. And actually was not from Alliance, but had beaten a lot of the Alliance guys. So he had respect and they would let him come in and cross train because he was so good. Mm. And he said to me, what are you doing? He's like, why are you letting me do this? And I'm like, I, I don't know, because isn't that – shouldn't I let you? He's like, no, don't let me. I'm give a, some, take some. Yeah, I'm a black belt, bro. Like, you've you got to give me whatever you got. If you're going for your sweet boy, you need to go there as soon as you can. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you should never counterfight. You should always be leading. You should always be controlling. He's like, can you counterfight? Yeah, should you? No. Like he was like, no, he's like, man, like be first. He was always saying to me, like, it's like he, he wasn't necessarily talking about being aggressive, more that like if you know you need certain being grips. Tenacious. Go, go for the grip straight away. And he's like, because if you wait for me, you're never going to win this. You're never going to be able to get back in the game. So one of the big things that I changed in my mentality from blue belt to purple belt was asserting a certain level of control. And, you know, sometimes that's hard if the person's better than you, but you should always be fighting for that. You shouldn't let the other person get what they want and then fight your way out of it because sometimes you, especially when you're new, you're never getting back in the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I got a story about a guy that I've trained with a couple of times at an academy near my place. Yeah. And he's a, he's a purple belt. He's an older fella. He's a big guy. And um, he's real chill, lovely dude. And I believe he's a, like a jiu-jitsu, traditional jiu-jitsu black belt. Oh, right, right. And uh, this guy, the first couple of times we trained together, he, I passed his guard real easy. And then you, you got him in like side control or north, south, whatever. And he just fucking reverses you every time. He's got this sneaky jiu-jitsu oh. shit that he does. <laughs> like traps your arm and just sw- – and I'm like, this motherfucker, he does it all the time. Okay. And then the second time we trained, he actually got me with it again. And I was like, that's right. Don't let him do that. And then I just stopped letting him do that and yeah. I just kept submitting him from top position, right? <laughs> right. And we had this chat about it and I'm like, bro, like that's, yeah, like that's such a cool thing that you can do and that's like a, that's a great thing that you've got there. But don't just rest on that because, because for someone who is a bit more skilled, I'm going to eventually catch a read it. on that and then yeah. exactly. And so, you know, to Chris, like to your question, like it sounds like you got a good thing going with that counterpiece, but don't just be that guy. Mm. also go into some role like go into some roles and think okay i'm gonna flip it on this one and i'm gonna go for top position and i'm gonna try and be more controlling and i'm gonna be leading like jt was saying so it's not to say that one approach is better than the other but try to diversify what you're doing a little bit i, I actually just think that we know this but we don't think about it like in boxing you can have guys who are counter punches like their defense like a like a Floyd Mayweather is a very like defensive fighter, so you can't hit him and then he'll hit you. That's not how jiu-jitsu works. Like if you look at the great fighters, they are not counter fighters. They control the match and they dominate. And even though they might have a very even exchange, they're always a step ahead. And you might have felt that rolling a higher belt where you're like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm 10 moves behind. It, for you to be one move ahead you must be thinking ahead. So in terms of having control in jiu-jitsu and getting better, I would say that 
you must always look to take that first move and look to stay a move ahead. And if you don't know enough jujitsu, take your time. You're early in the journey. There it is. Guys, thank you for the questions. We'll hit you with the next Q&A next week. If you want to get some questions in, bulletproof of bjj.com, hit the podcast tab, scroll down, hit the red button, leave us a voicemail, and you'll get featured on the show. Thank you, everyone. Peace.